All right, it's good to see everyone's face this morning. Hey, um, I heard s- such great feedback from last Sunday. How many appreciated Pastor Matt's message last Sunday on the church of Ephesus, Revelation, one of the churches there mentioned? Yeah, let's just give it up for him. Thankful. Thankful for Matt and Dave and, and John. They are three brothers, and I call them brothers because they truly are brothers. We met this past Wednesday during the youth group time and just talked and prayed together. And um, it's just good to have people in your corner that you can trust and who love God's people and who are shepherding God's people well. So thank you guys for serving and for your hearts for ministry. Hey, we're coming up. um, We're in the season between Easter and the day of Pentecost, which we celebrate as as believers who believe in the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Um, May 23rd is Pentecost Sunday. So we're in a time between Easter and Pentecost and and the ascension of Christ. And he said, I'm going to pour out my spirit. I'm going to send another one who's going to be a comforter and helper. And so we're going to be starting next Sunday a series on the Holy Spirit. So I'm excited about that. I've been doing a lot of work on that. Um, we'll be discussing it in the youth, um, youth group, the sermon-based small group on Tuesday nights that Zach and Allie and Janelle lead. Um, there'll be discussion there. Um, it is, we'll make available some resources that you can follow along. We're asking that if you have any questions about the Holy Spirit, that you email us, or you can even go on to Facebook and message us there if there's a question or something that you want to see answered during that, ser- that series. Let's pray. Let's stand together and let's pray before we get into the word. Lord, I've just had expectancy, Lord, all week for this Sunday. And I thank you, Lord, for the word that you put into my heart, Lord. I thank you, Lord, for the word that you want to communicate individually through your Holy Spirit. So I pray right now that hearts will be open to receive. Lord, this is a now word for today and even for days, weeks, and months to come, Lord. When someone may come across this message on our website or Facebook and they listen to it, I pray that they would receive the application of this message this morning. Lord, we put it in your hands. We trust your word that it says your word will not return void. We trust in that promise, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Long ago, or maybe not so long ago, there was a people who lived in a dark, cold cave. The cave dwellers huddled together and they cried against the chill. Loud and long they wailed. It was all they did. It was all that they knew to do. The sounds in the cave were mournful, but the people didn't know it. They had never known joy before. The spirit in the cave was death, but the people didn't know it, for they had never known life. But then one day, they heard a different voice who said, I have heard your cries. I have felt your cold and seen your darkness. I've come to help. And the cave grew quiet. They had never heard this voice before. Hope sounded strange to their ears. How could we know you've come to help? Trust me, he answered. I have what you need. The cave people peered through the darkness at the figure of the stranger. He was stacking something, then stooping and stacking more. What are you doing, one cried nervously. The stranger didn't answer. What are you making, one shouted even louder. Still no response. Tell us, demanded a third. The visitor stood and spoke in the direction of the voices. I have what you need. With that, he turned to the pile at his feet and he lit it. Wood ignited, flames erupted, and the light filled the cave. The cave people turned away in fear. Put it out, they cried. 
It hurts to see it. Light always hurts before it helps, he answered. Step closer. The pain soon will pass. Not I, declared a voice, nor I, agreed a second. Only a fool would risk exposing his eyes to such light. The stranger stood next to the fire. Would you prefer the darkness then? Would you prefer the cold? Don't consult your fears. Take a step of faith. For a long time, no one spoke. The people hovered together, covering their eyes. The fire builder stood next to the fire. It's warm here. Come out of the darkness. Come out of the cold, he invited. And friends, that's what I'm inviting each of you to do today. To take a step of faith, to come out of the darkness, to come out of the cold, to come out of your cave. In preparation for my message this morning, I logged on to the internet and I went to BibleGateway.com. And in the search bar there, I typed in the word cave and did a little research. I typed in the word people in caves and did a little bit more research. There were several dozen scripture references to caves and people in caves that appeared. And I began to look through each of those references and study them a little bit deeper, deeper. And after a quick look at each of them, it was very apparent to me that God's people, when being invaded, when being threatened, when being intimidated or oppressed by an enemy force, that their nat natural reaction was to always run and hide. And caves made good hiding places. I want to share some of these cave references with you this morning and the lessons that we can learn from them. The first recorded cave reference in the Bible, if you're taking notes, is found in Genesis chapter 19. Upon learning that the Lord was about to destroy the twin wicked cities of Sodom and Gomorrah, Abraham pleads with God. He bargains with him to spare the city of Sodom. He says to the Lord, if I can just find ten righteous people, would you spare the city? But only one man, Lot, was found righteous, and the two cities were, de were destroyed. And the Bible goes on to say that Lot and his wife and his two daughters fled the city. And as they were running out of the city, Lot's wife turned around and looked back at the city despite being warned not to. And as a result, the Bible says that she was turned into a pillar of salt. Because of this, the Bible says that Lot began to waver in his faith. He became depressed, afraid, and discouraged. He had just lost his wife to disobedience. And Genesis 19.30 states, Now Lot went up to, to Zor and lived in the hills with his two daughters, for he was afraid to live in Zor. So he lived in a cave with his two daughters. Lot's whole world was caving in, pun intended. And he found a dark place to hide. Fear will drive you into darkness. Fear will drive you into a cave. It has been said that fear is faith in the enemy. Or perhaps you've heard this one, fear is false evidence appearing real. Fear will blur your reality of a living, powerful God. Satan loves it when you become fearful and are driven into a cave of discouragement and despair. There's another cave reference in the scriptures where a cave was being utilized as a hiding place and it's found in 1 Samuel chapter 22. This time involving David. It says that David hid in a cave along with 300 additional men who the Bible describes as being in debt, discouraged, 
and discontent. There in the cave of Adullam, they hid from Saul and his army who were trying to kill them. The Bible says over in Judges chapter 6 of Gideon's time that the people of God there also hid in caves because of the oppression of the Midianites. Again, the the natural or normal reaction when people are afraid or intimidated is to run and hide. And the same is true for us today. See, when someone hurts us, when something bad happens to us, one of our tendencies is to retreat. We retreat, we retreat inside of a dark place. And we isolate ourselves from the world and the people around us. Of course, we don't hide in physical caves. But we hide in emotional ones. Most of the times, the caves we hide in look like our go-to defense mechanisms when we feel vulnerable and threatened. A hiding place when we're grieving and in pain. These are the caves that we occupy today. In the book of Joshua, chapter 10, we read the story of how Joshua defeated five armies. But the five kings of those five armies... What did they do? They did something strange. They hid in a cave. And the Bible says that when Joshua heard about it, he commanded that a large stone be rolled in front of the cave. Now I want you to see something here. The hiding place has now been transformed into a prison for these five kings. Right? What's the lesson here for us? There are two great dangers about caves. The first danger is if you retreat and hide in a cave long enough, it will become your prison. Satan wants to take your hurt, he wants to take your offense, and he wants you to go into a hiding place. A dark cave, if you will. And if you don't get over it, if you don't, If you stay offended, you stay hurt, then that cave will not just become your hiding place, but it will become your prison. And once it becomes a prison, here's the critical thing. It says that Joshua called them out and he hung those five kings. And he did something even more strange. He took their bodies and threw them back into the same cave that they have occupied. So not only did that cave become their prison, but it ultimately became their grave. And that's the second danger of caves. If you stay there long enough, your cave won't just become your prison. It will become your grave. If you don't let go of what happened to you, if you don't forgive those who hurt you, your cave can become your grave. It'll become a grave to God's plan for your life. It'll become a grave to the relationships and friendships that you have with people around you. It will become a grave to God's call on your life. When we look over in 1 Kings chapter 18, verses 3 and 4, we have another cave reference. It says that Ahab called Obadiah, who was over the household. Now listen. It says that Obadiah had feared the Lord. He was a servant of the Lord. He had feared the Lord greatly. And when Jezebel cut off the prophets of the Lord, Obadiah took a hundred prophets and hid them in fifties inside of a couple caves. And then there he fed them bread and water. The Bible tells us again that Obadiah feared the Lord, but he also feared Ahab and Jezebel too. Why? Because they were going around killing all the prophets. Therefore, because of his fear, he gathered the prophets and he went into hiding with them. And then along comes Elijah. Elijah shows up and he says, what are you doing hiding in these caves? See, Elijah had a different attitude He had a different perspective. He says, where are all the prophets in a time when sin and wickedness is running rampant? 
in the country. And they said, shh. Have you ever, like, interrupted your kids playing hide-and-go-seek, and you find one of them in their hiding spot? And they're like, shh, Dad, I'm hiding. I don't want Josh and Alyssa to find me. That's what they were doing. They were hiding. Like, don't get too loud. Don't, don't give away our hiding place. We don't want Ahab or Jezebel to find us here. But listen, Elijah understood that a silent prophet, a silent preacher, a silent Christian is no better than a dead one. When a nation is in crisis, we can't afford to be hiding out in caves. Eliza said, you all can keep hiding out in your caves if you want to. But God has not called me to live in a cave. I'm going to go and I'm going to confront Ahab. And he went and he confronted Ahab. And Elijah said to him in 1 Kings 18, 19, Now send for people from all over Israel. Tell them to meet me on Mount Carmel. And bring the 450 prophets of the God named Baal. Also bring me the 400 prophets of the female God of Asherah. All of them eat at Jezebel's table. And we read on in 1 Kings 18 that the 450 prophets of Baal went up to Mount Carmel. And Elijah prays. He doesn't pray a long prayer. He prays a simple prayer because he was a man of prayer. He was a man of God. He was a man of character. And he prays to his, his father, and his father sends down fire and consumes the sacrifice, the bowls on the altar. It burns up the wood. The fire burns up the stones and soil. And it says that it even dried up the water in the ditch. Then Elijah orders all 450 of the prophets of Baal to be seized, taken down into the Kishon Valley, and put to death. We learn from this, this instant that a cave can become an attitude. A cave can be an intimidation. Those prophets of the Lord were afraid and fearful. They were intimidated at the name of Jezebel and Ahab. Church, God is calling you and I today to come out of our caves of fear and intimidation before they become our prisons and ultimately become our grave. As Matt said, we are more than conquerors in Christ. Moses, a servant of the Lord, was called to bring God's people out of Egypt. And he felt the weight of that call. He had been prepared for that call for, for, for 40 years. And there was a day that he was alone and he saw a man, an Egyptian man, one of his own being, uh, uh, an Egyptian man beating one of his own people. And he became so disturbed by what he witnessed that he beat the Egyptian to death and he buried him there in the sand. And Exodus 2, 14 and 15 states that Moses was afraid and thought, surely this thing is known. Surely the word has gotten out. Surely they know what I did. And when Pharaoh heard of it, he sought to kill Moses. But Moses fled from Pharaoh and stayed in the land of Midian. And there he lived in a cave. As a shepherd. After 40 more years passed, Moses had resolved in his mind, I tried and I failed and I'm not going to try anymore. He was living in a cave. And Exodus 2.21 says these very words, and I want you to hear them. It says that he became content. And Moses was content. After 40 years of shepherding, he gave up the call of God and became content. Do you, know, you want to know what a swear word in Christianity is? It's the word contentment. To become content in the negative sense. We could never become, afford to become content To come to a place where we say, just leave me alone. 
let someone else do it. I'm fine to come to church, but I don't want any more of God. Friends, we cannot come to that place. Moses settled down. He said, let somebody else fight the battle. Let somebody else lead these people. Let somebody else do it. I've tried to bring unity and peace and nothing happened. But while he was in that state of contentment, it says that a fire appeared in the midst of a bush, but did not consume it. And God said to Moses in Exodus 3.10, Come, as in come out of your cave. Come out of that cave of contentness. I'm sending you to Pharaoh, and you may, that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. And I believe that God has given me this message today to speak to some of you prophetically that you have to come out of your cave of contentment. You have to come out of your cave of an unforgiving spirit. You have to come out of your cave of failure. You have to come out of your cave of grief. You have to come out of your cave of depression. You have to come out, and you need to do it today. Don't let the enemy destroy you. Don't let the enemy destroy God's plan for your life. Come out of your cave. God, like Moses, has called you to greater things and higher things than to isolate yourself in a cave and live less than the abundant life that he has promised to give you. How many know that caves get emptied of their occupants when Jesus shows up? We see this in John 11 in the story of Lazarus. Mary and Martha's brother Lazarus was bound hand and foot with grave clothes. He was dead for three days, the Bible says, and then he was placed in a cave, and they had put a stone in front of the cave, but Jesus walked up to the cave and said, Lazarus, come forth. And I believe that's what God is saying to some of us this morning. To those who may be watching online, he's calling you out of your cave. He's calling you to come forth into the destiny and the purpose and the plan that he has for you. And I hear the Lord saying this morning, speak it, and I'll back it up. It's time for you to come out of your cave. We just celebrated the resurrection of Christ a couple weeks ago, right? A few weeks. What gives us power to come out of our caves? because Jesus came out of his cave to him. And the Bible says in Revelation that he holds the keys to death and to hell. I want you to look again at the story. I want us to look again at the story of Gideon because it's so critical for us. Like I said, that God called Gideon when he was still in a cave. David reminds me a few weeks ago when you shared about this story after worship. Remember when David talked about Gideon down there in his cave, the threshing floor with the wheat, and God came to him and appeared to him and called him what? Mighty warrior. Mighty warrior. God had a plan for Gideon's life. Gideon was God's man to lead Israel to stand up and defeat the Midianites, but, God, but Gideon couldn't complete this assignment by staying inside of a cave. You know what you need when you get a word from hell? You need a word from heaven. When you get a word from hell, you need a word from heaven. And God invited himself into Gideon's cave, and he spoke to him saying, The Lord is with you mighty warrior. God called Gideon out of his cave and into a new way of thinking. He called him out of his cave into a new way of thinking, a new mindset, a mindset of faith rather than fear. And because of this, Gideon became a former cave dweller. His life was forever changed. And there's something about this story that you may have never seen before. 
The Bible says in Judges chapter 7 that Gideon sent home all those who were afraid, all those who were fear and trembling. See, there was a call to arms and 32,000 men showed up. And he said, if you are afraid, go home. And a lot of them left. And then God said, there's still more that needs to go home. And he was left with 300 out of the original 32,000 men. And Judges 7, 16 through 18 says, And Gideon divided the 300 men into three companies and put trumpets into the hands of all of them and empty jars with torches inside. And he said to them, Look at me and do likewise. When I come to the outskirts of the camp, do as I do. When I blow the trumpet, and I and all who are with me blow the trumpets also on every side of the camp, I want you to shout, and listen to what he told them to shout. He said, I want you to shout, a sword for the Lord and for Gideon. A sword for the Lord and for Gideon. When I read that, I'm like, there's something wrong with this story. Nobody has a sword. They have a trumpet and empty jars with torches inside. God said this victory is not going to come by physical swords, but it's going to come by the sword of the Lord and the sword of Gideon. Here's what I want you to understand this morning. 2 Corinthians 10.4 states, The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty to the pulling down of strongholds. We learned a few weeks ago in our study of Ephesians in chapter 6, verse 17, that we have an offensive weapon called the sword of the Spirit which is the Word of God. We see in Hebrews 4.12 that the Word of God is quick, it's powerful, and sharper than any two-edged sword. I did some study on that word, two-edged. It's taken from the Greek word, dystomos. It's the compound word of the word di, which means two, and stomos, which means mouth. So put together, it's called two-mouthed. So what's this mean? The Word of God is a one-bladed sword when it comes out of God's mouth and drops into our spirit. And the moment it's spoken from our mouth, a second edge is added to the blade. Nothing is more powerful than a word that first comes from God's mouth and then is spoken by the mouth of a believer who has faith in his God. Because at that time, us and God have come into agreement. And that agreement releases his power into the situation at hand. Friends, we have to speak what God says in his word if we're ever going to come out of our cave and have victory over the enemy's oppression. We need to speak the truth of God's word over our circumstances. There could be cause to worry, but God has me in the palm of his hand. All the odds might be stacked against me. However, with God, all things are possible. The report doesn't look good, though I called to God for help, and he healed me. In the past, I made mistakes, but the Bible says in Lamentations 3, 22 and 23, but the mercies of my God are new every morning. One plan didn't work out, but God promises plans for me. Plans for welfare. Plans for a hope. Plans for a future. Someone may have rejected me and hurt me. Still, God approves of me, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I am a masterpiece of God. I have been saved by grace through faith. We need to speak God's word instead of the word of the enemy over our circumstances. We need to come into agreement with what God has already spoken. Speak and agree with God's word of our lives so that we can be set free from those caves of darkness. I just feel that there's a lot of you who have been speaking the wrong things over your life. You made some declarations or some inner vows, if you will, that have imprisoned you inside of a dark cave. They have impacted you, your thought processes, and your behavior. Inner vows such as, I will never trust anyone anymore. I will not let anyone control me. I will never be like my father. I will never be like my mother. I must become successful. I, I must make people like me. I have to be respected. 
I remember as a kid being picked on. I remember as a kid being left out, pushed aside, being compared to others who I saw as not being successful or motivated in life. And what happens when those things happen to you? You either fight or you flight, right? The fight or flight thing kicks in. So you know what I did? I made some inner vows. I said I won't let any, I will never kiss anyone's butt. And you know what happens when you make inner vows like that? They imprisoned you. Inner vows have consequences. Before the legal process was formed, a person's word was his or her bond. It was a binding contract. Inner vows act as contracts that we place on our lives. And the Bible states that what we say has this power of spiritual life, blessings, or spiritual death, curses. We are either saved or condemned by what we speak. And the Bible says that we will eat the fruit of our words. And I won't, can't tell you how many times that's been true in my own life. Something that God had to free me of. Something that I needed to repent of and renounce so I could be free to be me. Proverbs 18.21 says, Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruits. Matthew 12.37 says, For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. Inner vows are destructive. They result in unhealthy responses to hurts and unfulfilled expectations. By not, by not surrendering those hurts and unmet expectations to God, we end up relying upon our own limited strength. And we create a lot of stress for ourselves and others in our lives as a result. And our vows are a form of idolatry because we place our desires over God's desires for us. We take control of the direction of our futures by vowing to make what we want to come to pass happen, even though we can't predict our own future. Inner vows form walls around our hearts. Hardened hearts keep us from the life that God has for us. Inner vows hold our hearts hostage in dark caves of our past, even if our circumstances have changed drastically. Our souls cannot truly be free to follow Christ. Church, God is calling you and I to break the power of inner vows that we've made. To come out of our caves, to roll the stone away, to take our dead, death clothes off. To get a smile back on our face. To pray the prayer that David prayed in Psalm 51.12. Restore to me, O God, the joy of my salvation. Declare with your mouth with me this morning, I will live and not die. Say, I'm not about to die in this dark and cold cave. I'm coming out. Today is the deliverance day. We serve the one who says, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me will never die. Friends, that cave that you've been occupying doesn't have the power to hold you doesn't have the power to hold you. I once heard a story, I think it was about a bear, who was in a cave, and it would just walk the perimeter of the cave, day and night. Kind of reminds me of the lion. <laughs> Is it the lion or the tiger? Tiger over at Vilas Zoo. Just kind of walks back and forth. And it says that one day they came and they opened the cave and said, you can go free. What that bear do? Kept walking the perimeter. Even though the door was open. And I think that's what a lot of us do. We just finished Ephesians. Ephesians 1 and 2 talks about all the blessings that we have in Christ. We see our salvation is sealed by the Holy Spirit, that we are called saints. 
This isn't something we have to earn. Ephesians 2 says it's by grace through faith that we receive things. We are adopted into God's family. We have resurrection power residing inside of us. This isn't a time to be silent. This isn't a time to be quiet. This isn't a time to be isolated. This isn't a time to let fear and anxiety rule in our hearts. This isn't a time to be depressed. Christ said, I came out of my cave tomb so that you could come out of yours. I hold the keys. I am the resurrection and the life. And I'm calling you to come out. I'm calling you to come out. I'm calling you to come out. I'm calling you to repent of those inner vows and those contracts that you've made over your life. I'm calling you to come out. I'm calling you to walk in the freedom that I died on the cross to give you. And because I'm no longer in the grave, because I am sitting at the right hand of my Father, there is power for you to come out. The rock has been rolled away. You can come out. There's light outside of the darkness. Stand with me this morning. Speaking of the Holy Spirit that we're going to talk about in the next several weeks. Third member of the triune God. A person, not a ghost. He was present in the Old Testament, not just on the day of Pentecost. And I just had this picture as I was praying, driving down M to the Princeton Club this morning to come to church. I was brought back to Genesis 1 and that picture of the Holy Spirit hovering over the face of the deep, of that darkness and the void, the confusion. And maybe that's what you're feeling today for whatever reason. Your go-to mechanism, defense mechanism, is to isolate you, to put you in that cave, metaphorically. But I see the Holy Spirit hovering over that darkness that you're feeling, that you've been experiencing, that cold, dark, damp, stuffy, suffocating cave. Hovering, going back and forth over the void, the emptiness, the darkness. And then in one moment, what's God want to do right now? He wants to do what he did in Genesis chapter 1. He wants to speak, let there be light over your life. He wants to call you from darkness into life. But you have to be willing to come out. It's your choice. It's your choice. One of the hardest things as a pastor, as a shepherd, is to see people hurting. To see people in prison because of pain, because of hurt or rejection. And to not to be able to do anything about it physically. But I know one who can. And if there's anything that I know about Jesus, is that Jesus always gave people a choice. So we have to make the choice. I can't, I can talk all day. I can give illustrations. I can share every scripture in the Bible, but it's your choice. So let's bow our heads this morning. Father, the elders and I prayed this past Wednesday. We shared of our own struggles and we prayed for the struggles in our body, in our city. And I shared that night that I felt like there were people living in darkness and they don't have to. And it's keeping them from the purpose and plan that you have for their life, for their marriage. And I believe that you're calling them out today. 
this is good news. This is a good news message. There's light outside. There's warmth outside. You're the man that st- stood outside of that cave entrance in the, in the story I shared at the beginning of the message saying, come. Come to the light. Come warm yourself by the fire. Lord, we're tired of letting fear have control. We're tired of letting anxiety have control of our lives. We're tired of living lives in depression. And for a lot of us, Lord, those are just fruits that appear on our tree. But deep down below the ground soil, our roots and our vows that we've made contracts that we've signed and come into agreement. And Lord, you want to break those contracts this morning. You want to set us free. We renounce those things that were once spoken and we come in agreement now, Lord, with the truth of your word. The Lord said, speak this truth and I'll back it up. So I believe right now, that the Holy Spirit is revealing inner inner vows, false lies that you've spoken over your life. And I want you to to take those. As Paul said, take those captive, cast down those imaginations. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty. To the pulling down of those thoughts, those imaginations, those things that you've spoken over your life, I want you to grab a hold of them right now. I want you to confess that you've spoken them, that you believed in them. And then I want you to renounce them in the name of Jesus. Repent and ask Christ to forgive you. And then ask him to give you his words of truth to replace them. Say, I'm coming out. I'm walking away from the lies and I'm walking into the truth. I'm more than a conqueror. You have to say it a hundred times until it gets into your spirit. I'm more than a conqueror. My dad may have called me a failure, but my heavenly father calls me a saint. I may have been rejected by my boss. I may have been rejected by others in my life. But my Heavenly Father has accepted me and adopted me into his family. I'm a king's kid. I have a new inheritance. My salvation is sealed by the Holy Spirit. I've been called ugly, too tall, too short, not strong enough, puny. (laughs) But my father says that I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. I'm his masterpiece. Take those lies right now. Take them captive and submit them to these truths. My mind is filled with anxiety. The Word of God says, He will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed upon me. Lord, bring peace right now to anxious hearts. Come on, saints, press in. Press in. Maybe you're here this morning and you haven't accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior yet. That's the first step. Reach out to Him and pray a prayer like this. Lord Jesus, I confess that I'm a sinner, that I can't do it by myself. I confess that I can't be the leader of my own life. I need 
someone greater. I need you to be my Savior and my Lord. I receive you. I receive you right now. Open the door of your heart to him right now. And let him come in. Let him come in. Just reach out to him right now and say, Jesus, I receive you right now. I receive you right now. And let his peace, let his peace be poured out upon you. Like you're standing under a waterfall. Lord, just let that peace and his blessings just fall upon you right now. Let his peace just wash over all those hurts, all that pain. Let him wash you. Let him cleanse you of all that wrong thinking right now. Let him take away all that fear and let him restore it with peace right now in Jesus' name. And I believe that he's doing it. I believe that he's doing it. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I want to ask the elders and their wives to just to go and stand at the sides. And we're going to worship in just a moment. God is doing a work in your life right now. If he's doing a work inside of you right now. I want you to go to one of the elders or their wives and I want you to pray with them and come in agreement with them. The power that's held you captive be broken right now in Jesus' name. As we sing this last worship song together, I want you to get up and go and find one of them and pray in agreement. The Bible says that if we confess these things one to another, that we will be healed. There's just something about confession. There's something about just coming in agreement with another person and believing that the power of these things be broken in Jesus' name. Be broken in Jesus' name. Don't let the enemy keep you from what God wants to do in your life this morning. I want you just to leave where you're at right now and go and grab one of these. Matt or Alice and Dave... John, Mandy, Lisa, myself, just come grab one of us and let's pray together. Let's sing this worship song together, Tremble This Morning. And let's just believe that God's word and God's peace would prevail today in Jesus' name. Amen. Come. I want to invite Janelle to come up. And just close us in prayer this morning, if you will. Yeah, you. I've been thankful for Janelle. I know that she's person who prays for our church, who loves God. I know this isn't the place where she likes to stand. <laughs> um, been thinking about something that she just shared a few weeks ago during our worship and prayer gathering. She approached me after service and just tears in her eyes and said, Man, God is so good. When we had opportunity to, to give a testimony to that, you know, not too many people got up, and there's a lot of different reasons for that. But she, and I, and I shared some of those. I'm like, well, we we're in a new place. It was quiet. We were different people. And she said, yeah, but no excuses. And um, so I just want to have you close us in prayer this morning. Yeah, I've been... Um prior so um, the words of this song no fear and my prayer for us as a church that we won't be held back because we don't want to come up and be seen by others that when we're given opportunity to give praise to God that we're willing to do whatever's comfortable for us, but we should all have things that we're grateful for and things that we need to praise Him for. And in, the, in the scriptures, this has just been something that has, over the last year, has just brought me to my knees. We have opportunity every day to come into the presence and join what's already 
being done in heaven. The angels are already worshiping 24-7. Holy, holy, holy. Worthy is the Lamb. And we get to join in on that. And I'm so humbled that I get to. And I read a scripture yesterday that I think just fit. So I went and cut my Bible. Hebrews 12. Um, sorry, I don't have my glasses on. So it's hard to see. Verse 12 in Hebrews 12 says, So be made strong, even in your weakness, by lifting up your tired hands in prayer and worship. Sometimes i got to tell you my hands are tired. But yet, I'm going to lift my hands in worship because he is worthy. He is worthy. He is worthy. He is worthy. God, I just thank you for your word today. I thank you for how you're using Pastor Lance. Thank you for your powerful word. And God, we get to be the other edge of that sword as we leave this place today. I have never heard that, and that just is going to stick with me. Your word is a two-edged sword, and you came in today. But God, may we go out of this place and be the other edge of that cutting sword to the world around us. I pray that we as a church would be willing to step out of our comfort zones to be a light in this very dark place. And sometimes our hands are tired, but God, may we still raise them in worship to you. Because today, tonight, tomorrow, as we kill it about the week, we get to join in with the heavenly host saying, Worthy are you, Lord. Holy, holy, holy are you. God, we thank you for today. Thank you for your word. I thank you for your people that have come here and those that are watching online. I know I speak for myself, but I'm sure I speak for many here. Use us, Lord. Use us as a church. Spend some time just talking, pray more if you need to. Thanks for being here this morning. Be an attitude of prayer. Lift up the series that's coming up. Lift up the team as we make decisions. The things that are before us, we're going to a conference, a one-day conference on Tuesday together. Pray that that would be just worth it and beneficial. I know it will be because it's always the trip to and the trip back that is more powerful and more uniting than the actual thing that you're going to so let's pray that god would deposit something out of heaven amen thank you lord do it in jesus name amen god bless you guys